I want to speak to you today about creating an atmosphere in which God can move. And I want to really speak to you about revival because, you know, I, I want you to understand something. I really want you to understand something because, you know, some of you, you've been around the church a long time. Others, you're just coming and becoming a part of the river. I mean, this is our, you know, we just passed our 19th. We're in our 20th year. So in December will be our 20th year anniversary of the River Istanbul Church. So I want you to understand something here. I want you to understand what this church was built upon and what we have endeavored to do through these 20 years with the river in Istanbul. And so uh, it is absolutely vital you understand because we talk about revival, 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 and we have revival services. We have a revivalist that comes in. We have an evangelist that comes in and we have these revivals and RBI revivals and so forth. And I mean, this is actually kind of an RBI revival in a sense. But, uh, we, you know, I, I kind of felt like to stop calling them RBI revivals because uh, it's not just for the RBI students. But I do want you to understand every single RBI student, I expect you to be in these services because every uh, session, nine week section of the River Bible Institute, we do, you know, revival nights. And it's just to get the fire of God in people and just stir up fresh fire in people. But I want you to understand something that revival is not a meeting you go to. Revival is not some conference you attend. You, revival is not something that happens. Listen, guys, we absolutely, we absolutely have to press in for revival. We have to continually press in for revival because revival is when a believer falls in love with Jesus all over again, when the passion to serve God is ignited in the heart of the believer, when the believer's heart is burning with passion to fulfill their divine calling, to pursue and chase after the things of God and unfortunately many people come around and they wane. I mean they kind of fizzle out. I, mean, I watch people over the years. I mean I've done this a, a long time. This is my 24th, 23rd, 24th now year in, in full-time ministry and I've traveled you know and I've, the nations I've done hundreds of thousands of meetings, literally thousands of meetings and seen thousands of thousands of people get touched by the fire of God and we tell everybody all the time and we have to keep, listen I feel like we, I've got to keep this vision fresh in front of the church and we have to do this regularly continually stirring up everybody stirring up the people all the time and, and just getting people to understand what revival is about the revival is not just a touch but it's a change and it's a continual change and and I tell people all the time listen the moment you stop changing you're no longer in revival because you begin to lose the presence of God so this is so important because river was built on the foundation of pursuing God in revival and outpouring of the Holy Ghost and fire where the power of God comes, where the presence of God comes and people experience the tangible, real, genuine presence of God where they get hungry, they get thirsty and they press in, they come into God's presence where they are, they experience God's touch, where they have an encounter with God that changes their lives, transform their, transforms their lives, where the fire of God is ignited in their hearts. And I mean, I don't know about you, but hey, Guys, listen, you can cook a meal, it's hot, you can eat it, but if you leave it out, it's going to get cold. Next day, you're going to heat it up again. I mean, it's the same exact way with revival. We have to continually heat up in the presence of God because Jesus said, I'd rather have you hot or cold but not lukewarm. And that's what happens to believers because who are on fire. If they don't keep pressing in, if they don't remain hungry and focused on the things of God and they just occasionally drop into a service here and there and expecting God to kind of work some magic in their lives, they become lukewarm. You cannot lose your hunger for the things of God. 
Look at what the Bible says. And I was, I'm talking to you about creating an atmosphere in which God can move and creating an atmosphere in your life in which God can continually move. And it's not enough for God just to move once or twice or three times. God must continually, continually move in your life because God can only move where He's invited. God can only move where there is expectation, desire, and a hunger for the things of God. The number one ingredient of revival is spiritual hunger. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, or earnestly desire the best gifts, as another translation says. Earnestly desire. Desire is an intense longing, intense uh, passion, uh, wanting of something. And so when, when your desire for the things of God is more than your desire for the things of the world, and more than your desire for entertainment and sports and and, and hanging out with your buddies or watching television or, or surfing the internet or playing video games or whatever it is that people do. And there's so many other things. I mean, I can list hundreds of other things on that list of things that people get caught up in. But when, when the desire for other things exceed your desire for God, that you are becoming lukewarm and you lose your focus, even your desire to build a, a ministry, even your desire to build a business, even your desire to work a job, even your desire to earn a living, even your desire to prosper, whatever it is, whenever it begins to take precedence or priority or you know, over, over the things of God, then you become lukewarm. And, and it's not something that happens overnight, but it's something that happens gradually. You know, no one goes to bed on fire to serve God and wake up the next morning totally lukewarm, not wanting to have anything to do with church or ministry or serving God or whatever. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens gradually. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. That's why you've got to continually stir the fires. You know, there's something called a poker. I don't know if you know what that is, but, you know, when you, when you, you know, light a fire, let's say you're out in the camp, you, have, you light a big campfire and the fire is just blazing. I mean, flames are going up high, even above your, you know, your head, and they're just going up and, and it's just the, the flames are, you know, just burning and the things that blaze. And, but you know what? After a little while, that fire will begin to kind of die down. It'll kind of begin to dwindle. And then there won't be any flames anymore. But it'll just be kind of a fire. And you'll, you'll kind of see the, you know, uh, you know, the fire just kind of burning. But you know what? Then you got to take a, a poker or a stick, something. And you got to poke the fire and stir it up. And then just kind of get the ashes off of it. And just get fresh air into it. And then maybe even throw a couple of new logs on the fire. And then you'll see the flames you know, begin to shoot up again. So this is so important that you have to continually stir up the fire. Just like Paul said to Timothy, rekindle the fire that's in you. Stir up the fire. And you have to do this. I cannot do that for you. No one else can do it for you. You can't do it for your husband. You can't do it for your wife. You can't do it for your children. You've got to do it for yourself. Every single believer has to stir up their hunger and thirst for the things of God. And it's so easy over time and over circumstances and over different things that people go through and deal with to lose that sense of hunger and thirst for the things of God. Look at what 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says. Follow after charity or love, but desire, desire spiritual gifts or spiritual things. So there's got to be a desire in your heart. And it all comes down to desire. What is your desire for? Is your greatest desire to know God to know Jesus, to have an intimate relationship with Him, to have His, to have His tangible, amazing, 
awesome, wonderful, glorious presence in your life to be filled to overflowing, to have the fire of God burning in your heart, to be on fire for Jesus, to be in the Word, to be getting revelation upon revelation upon revelation every day and just continually growing and learning and understanding and maturing in the things of God, winning souls, I mean, worshiping, getting in God's presence, uh, you know, being used, you know, in the gifts and flowing in the Holy Ghost and hearing the voice of God and, and, and being a blessing to other people, being a giver, being a worshiper, I mean, just on fire, on fire. I mean, it's just, I mean, 24-7, the things of God is the most important thing in your life. That's what you have desire for. That's what you're passionate about, you know, and that's what it comes down to. That's what revival is. And so, think, tell, let me tell you, over 20 years of running a ministry in a church, you know, we have to continually stoke the fires of revival. We have to continually breathe on the revival, fan the flames of revival. I mean, poke, just keep poking and poking and poking and just stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. And you know why? Because we always have new people coming in all the time who need to get touched by the fire of God. And then you know what? We also have people that have been, that have been around a few years. And some of you, you know who you are. And, and you've been touched before. But right now, you are not where you used to be. And you need to, you need fresh revival. You need a fresh touch from God. You need the fire of God rekindled in your life. You know, you might have even graduated RBI and you're just kind of now sitting in church and you're just kind of on automatic cruise control. You know what? You need to make a decision. You need to say, God, I want more of you. I'm not satisfied. I am not where I used to be. And I want more of you in my life. And I want a fresh touch from you. And I want, I, I want to get hungry and thirsty for you like never before. I just want to fall in love with you all over again. I want to come back to my first love. I don't want to just become lukewarm and lose my fire and passion. I want to press in for more. And I don't want to let anything, attitudes, offenses, whatever, circumstances, this one, that one, and this happened and that didn't happen. Any of that stuff stopped me. And I want to press in like never before. Because you have to make that decision. If you don't make that decision, you'll lose your fire. And some of you... Man, you've been there a long time. You're part of the furniture. You were there when the Apostle Paul came to do a revival 20 years ago. Come on, guys. You know, you have to keep, keep pressing in. You have to keep pressing in. And, and, and the things of God must become fresh. You understand me? When the things of God are fresh to you, new to you, they're never going to be old to you. But when the things of God become old to you, that means you're becoming like an oldie moldy cheese. You understand me? You have to stir yourself up. You have to get under. Um, you have to get under the flow and get filled up again. And you have to press in. And you have to just focus on the things of God. You have to set aside time. And you have to set aside. You know, you have to just shake off everything and come in. And like this next week, upcoming these meetings with Evangelist Vincent Skinner is another great opportunity. But you don't have to necessarily wait for a meeting. You know, the fire of God touched me in the living room. It was not in a meeting because I was so hungry for God. I was crying out for more of God. I knew that there had to be more, you know, and, and God had done some great things in my life until that time. But you know what? There's so much more. When you begin to settle, when you become content with where you're at and you get into maintenance mode, that's like one of the worst things that you can do. That's one of the worst things that can happen. Amen. So you've got to have a desire for the things of God. Okay. And it's not up to the pastor alone to have revival in the church. The congregation has to press in. Do you understand me? I mean, I travel and, and I do revivals and, you know, and I go to places and, and people are just not hungry. They just stare at me and I have to preach them hungry. I have to stir them up to get hungry. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you have only so much time and 
And, and obviously, you know, I mean, I know, I mean, I tell pastors, I guarantee you revival if you give me enough time. But sometimes, some churches, it might take a long time, you know, because it might, you might have to clear out half the people before you can find some people that are hungry and people start repenting and getting hungry and pressing and getting touched. And then the power of God begins to come. And then obviously once people get touched and they want more of it, you know, so that's, you got to, you know, you got to sometimes preach people hungry. But if you go to a place where people are hungry, it's so easy to have a move of God. And we've got to stay hungry. That's why we've put so much emphasis and focus at the river on staying hungry. Staying hungry. We talk about revival all the time. And some people are like, oh, they, there they go again talking about revival. Isn't there something else? You know what? No, there is nothing else. Because I made a decision a long time ago. And I said, Lord, give me revival or give me death. If I cannot have revival, I don't even want to be on the earth anymore. You might as well just kill me, take me home to heaven because... I don't want to be here if I cannot have revival. I don't want religion. I don't want tradition. I don't want lukewarm, wishy-washy Christian living. I don't want just average ministry. I don't want just some average church. I want to be on fire. And I want people to be on fire around me. That's what it comes down to. Amen. So it's both. It takes the pastor or the spiritual leadership there and the congregation alone. Hungry for God. Some places you go, the pastor's hungry. The people just look at you like, you know, a bump on a log, you know, like half asleep, twice dead, plucked out by the roots, you know. And then other places you go to, the people are hungry, but the pastor or the leader there doesn't want revival, you know. And I've been to churches. I've had great meetings, amazing meetings. Power of God fell and shook the place, shook the place. And people came up to me and said, I have never seen anything like this. One guy came up to me and said, this is the most, he says, I've, Grown up in church. I'm, he says, I'm in my late 20s. I've been in church my, almost my whole life since I was a little baby. I've never seen anything like this. This is the most powerful meeting I have ever seen, experienced in my life, and, and been a part of. And the Lord touched me, he said, you know. But you know what happened? The pastor, the whole week of meetings, he just kind of sat there. He's a nice guy, very nice guy. We had a great time outside. But you know what? He just never really opened up. never really got touched like his people were getting touched. And you know what eventually ended up happening? He just says to me, you know what, we're, we're kind of going in a different direction. Well, what he means is he's just maintaining the same direction because it's basically the same direction he's always had, you know, lukewarm direction. And his people were on fire, but you know what? The fire went out, went out of the church. And the fire, you know, the fire went out. The fire was gone, you know. And um, now you, if you go there, you won't even find it. So it, it takes both sides. You... As a believer, you as a part of the church, you have to get hungry. You have to get thirsty. We as leaders, we have to be hungry. We have to be thirsty. We can't just become maintenance people. We can't just become administrators. We can't just become, you know, executive uh, uh, CEOs of corporations just kind of managing and maintaining. No, we have to continually press in for more of God. We have to continually press in for vision. We have to continually press in for uh, increase. We have to continually press in for progress. And it's so important. It's such a key. Amen. And I'm telling you right now, I personally am being stretched and challenged right now. These last six months have been extremely challenging and stretching. And it's good. It's keeping me on my toes and my prayer life is different, you know, because you know what happens? When you don't have challenges, you don't really pray like you should be praying. That's why your faith needs to be always challenged. You know, your faith needs to always have new goals. Your faith needs to always be stretched so that you keep praying and you keep pressing in, you know. And there's nothing uh, better for your faith than some adversity and some challenges. That's why the Bible says, you know, when your faith is being tested, rejoice. 
when you're going through fire trials, when you're going through challenges, adversity, when you, know, when you have to press in for a higher level, for increase and whatever, you have to break through in some areas, hey, rejoice, that's great because you know why? The testing of your faith fuels your faith. That, it brings fire to your faith. It puts a fire in your belly. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Man, I feel the fire of God. Hallelujah. So it's going to take both the leadership and the people. You know, we are hungry. I'm hungry for God. Pastor God was hungry for God. Amen. I mean, we want more of God. I mean, we're not satisfied. Are you kidding me? We want to see nations shaken. We want to see millions of souls come into the kingdom. We want to see greater things for the kingdom of God. We want to see greater things in our ministry. But you know what? You, as the church, every single believer, amen, also has to get hungry for God. We also, every single one, we need every single one of you to press in. We need every single one of you to, to just keep pressing in for more and, and be hungry for more. Amen. And stay in revival. Don't back down. Don't go on cruise control. Don't go on automatic. Don't just show up once in a blue moon, once or twice a month, and just kind of sit there and, and kind of do your thing with God. Press in for more. Engage your faith. Use your faith. Engage your faith. Let's join our faith together. Let's have corporate faith. Engaging our faith to see a breakthrough. You know why? Because we got to see a breakthrough in Istanbul. We need to get a bigger building in Istanbul. It's time now. Amen. And so, and... Some things are positioned in a better way to be able to handle some things too. But we need to find that place. We need to see a breakthrough. I mean, I don't want to go to re renting hotels anymore. And then they, you know, they tell us that they don't want us back. And, and then you, and you do all kinds of stuff. And then we spend all of our money renting all these ballrooms for the conferences and stuff. Let's finally have our own place, man. Come on. Time has come. Find, let's find a building. I'm believing God. It's time for the breakthrough. Amen. You know, God sent me here to West Palm Beach to, to expand the ministry, to believe God for bigger things. And, and I'm believing God for bigger things. And it's time to see some bigger things happen. Amen. And I was talking to Pastor Galvel about that this last week. It is time to see a major, major breakthrough in that area. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 13 through 14, you see all the musicians and the congregations uh, worship ushered, ushered in the glory of God when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the temple and they were singing and rejoicing and then uh, and they were singing, the Lord is good and His mercy endureth forever. The Bible tells us that the cloud of God, the glory of God came in like a cloud and filled the temple and the priest could not even stand to minister. God just took over. That's what we need. We need God just to take over to where now you can't do anything. You can't do what you've been doing. Those priests were used to doing what they were doing in the natural and they couldn't do it. You know what? When the glory of God comes, everything changes. Everything changes. The way when revival comes, everything, everything changes. Revival touches every area. Revival changes everything. Revival changes the way you pray. Revival changes the way you worship. Revival changes the way you give. Revival changes the way you win souls. Revival changes the way you, you have relationships. Revival changes the way that you believe God. Revival changes the way you talk, you walk, everything. Revival changes everything. And it impacts every area of your life. That's what it is. Because of revival, we are very different. The way we do things are very, very different at the river. But it's because of revival. People don't understand that. You know, they come and say, well, you know, man, the way you pray is different. You, you, everything, even the way you guys fast is different. The way you guys worship, everything is different. You know why? It's because of revival. Revival changes everything. Revival is not just a touch, it's a change. Revival is not just lying on the floor for a few minutes. Revival is the fire of God getting in you, the glory of God filling in you, and God taking over and just 
everything going to a different divine order, divine level in your life. And great expectancy causes and produces great manifestations. If you want a great manifestation of God in your life, then you're going to have to have a great expectation. Amen. Think about the ministry of Jesus. He went into a house, remember, to raise the, uh, the young girl that had died back to life, and he had to get rid of unbelieving people and then bring in people with him. He didn't even bring in all 12 disciples. He only brought in three of his top disciples, the, most, the three of the most faithful and full of faith. He had to bring in people with faith and desperation. And I can guarantee you, Peter, James, and John, they wanted to see a manifestation of God. They wanted to see a miracle. So he, he brought in Peter, James, and John in order to raise the dead girl back to life because he wanted to create an atmosphere in which God can move and he wanted to get rid of doubt and unbelief. Amen. That's what happened in Jairus' house when he came to raise his daughter back to life. He had to get rid of all the whiners and the mo 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 moaners and the mourners and the, the wishy-washy people that were just all in the flesh and, in the, and, in, and just all, all, in their, all in their emotions and feelings. He had to get rid of them. Mark 6, 6, 5, he went into Nazareth. Bible says he could do no mighty works. There were no mighty, mighty manifestations. There were no great manifestations of the glory of God, of the power of God. You know why? Because of people's unbelief, because of their unbelief, because it was his hometown. They were used to him. They were familiar with him. Never get familiar. Okay, let's put this in a different perspective. Never get familiar with revival. Never get familiar with the river. Never say, oh, we got another guest minister coming. Oh, we're going to have meetings three nights. Oh, he's going to go late. And uh, never, ever get familiar with revival. Never get familiar. They got familiar with Jesus. They say, oh, this is Jesus, whom we know. He grew up with us in our neighborhood. Isn't this Joseph's son? They saw him as Jesus, but they did not see him as Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. The one who had the anointing to answer their needs, to work miracles in their lives. Jesus couldn't do no mighty works because of the lack of hunger, lack of expectation, and basically their people's attitudes, that they were familiar with Him. They got used to it. Never get used to revival. Never think that you've been there, done that, seen it, bought the t-shirt. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got touched at the river. No, you didn't. You didn't. You need another touch from God. You need a greater touch. You need a deeper touch. Oh, I got the fire. No, you don't. You need to get more fire. Because if you really had the fire, you wouldn't be where you're at right now. There will be a more happening. So you got to always never settle, never get content. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel like I'm just stirring some people up here today. Come on. Glory to God. Here's the thing. You know, I like what this one man of God said. The only thing I'm satisfied with is the fact that I am dissatisfied. That means I want more. I don't believe that I have seen it all, done it all. And I don't believe that God's touched me the way that he needs to touch me. He needs to touch me in a greater way. I need more of God. I need a greater touch. Amen. If I was to ask a show of hands, how many of you want to believe, you know, want to be at a greater level of prosperity? I'm sure just about every hand's going up. Okay. How many of you want to see greater miracles in your life? Okay. Many mo most hands are going up. How many of you want to see God do work miracles through you? Maybe raise someone from the dead. Heal the sick. Lay hands on someone dying from cancer and see an instant miracle. Come on. How many of you want to see great financial miracles? How many of you want to be used of God to go shake a city, to go shake a nation? Amen. Come on. That means you're not where you, you need to be. That means 
You need more of God. You, you need to go deeper in revival. You need to come with a fresh hunger. Amen. And say, God, I don't believe that I have seen anything. Whatever you've done in me is basically nothing but just a little drop. Just scratch the surface. I want to go deeper. I want to be hungry and thirsty for more of you. Amen. Hallelujah. One, uh, in Mark 7, verses 32 through 35, Jesus took a man with a speech impediment and death aside from the multitude in order to heal him. Because all the looky-loos, we call them looky-loos. People just come to just to see a miracle. They don't want to be the miracle. They don't want to receive a miracle. Amen. And they don't want to be a part of the miracle. They just want to be a spectator. They don't want to just see a miracle. They want to go, oh, I, I saw a miracle. Great. Well, you know what? Why don't you go from a point of seeing a miracle to being the miracle or having God use you to work a miracle? Amen. And be a miracle in someone else's life. You know, there are, there are much greater levels. Amen. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. Jesus took a blind man, led him out of town, told him not to tell anyone of his miracle when he obviously opened his blind eyes because the people would steal his healing. People would criticize him. People would probably mock him. They wouldn't believe him. Amen. So you got to be careful. The people you get around, some of you, you're not in revival anymore because you're around the wrong people. Iron sharpens iron. If you want to be on fire, then you need to get around and stay around people who are on fire. <laughs> Amen. If you go around the, uh, the looky-loos and the frozen chosen, you're going to become lukewarm and you're going to become cold and then you're going to just, the fire, you're going to lose the fire and, and, and things are going to fizzle out in your life and, and you're going to be, just become just another average uh, statistic, just somebody just going through the motions. But it is time to step up to a new level. It is time to step up to a higher level and to get hungry for more of God, to get thirsty for more of God, because that's what revival is. And this church, River Istanbul, has been built on revival, and we have done everything we can and we know to do. And continually, over 20 years, continually keep revival going in the church. You know why? You know what? Over 20 years, there, are many, many, there have been many, many thousands of churches that have experienced times and seasons of revival, but they're no longer in revival. It was just something that happened for a time. It's just something that happened for a season. But for us, we want to continue and we want more of God. And we don't want to think that, you know, hey, we're a church in revival. Everything's great. You know what? No, there is more. There is more. There's more. There's more. Amen. So we got to get hungrier and thirstier than ever before. And we cannot allow revival to fizzle out, to wane out. We, will, we are not going to lose the fire. Everything we do and we endeavor to do is to continue to keep the fire burning. And I want to issue a challenge from the top to the bottom to every single person in, that, in this service right now. I want to issue a challenge to never lose focus of why we're there. That this church is about revival. And we are pressing in for revival. Not just for some meetings, but for genuine real Holy Ghost, individual, personal revival in everyone's life, in everyone's heart, where people are on fire for God and their desires, their only desire, their number one and ultimate and only and only one and only desire is to serve God, to please God, to be in His presence, to be full of Him, to be on fire, to be filled to overflowing and to do great things for the kingdom of God. And that's what this is about. 